I'm here today with Dr. Michael Vagnell, and I feel dreams come true because I've wanted to have this talk for a long, long time. Uh, so Dr. Vagnell is a functional neurologist, chiropractic physician uh, for health and wellness. Hello. Nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you too. Uh, so Dr. Michael, how did you get started on your journey helping people? Oh, wow. So 33, well, actually in high school, the short story. <laughs> Is there a short story? Maybe there, I'll make it short. In high school, I determined that I would like to be a doctor. I just had an insight in, in one of my biology class. I think this is what I want to do, something in science. Maybe I'll be a doctor. Uh -huh. And so through the course of the journey, uh, which progressed toward medical school in my mind and through our education, then I made a shift over to chiropractic medicine as I met somebody. And I didn't really know what it was, but I found even in the first semesters of that chiropractic university, I thought, oh, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> but uh, I fell in love with the profession. I fell in love with the principles that the body can restore itself many times, uh, can heal itself, has innate in inborn abilities. And, uh, and so then I, I fell in love with the profession. And shortly after graduating, I started to ask myself, how, do, how does the brain, I always love the CNS classes, the brain-based classes in in chiropractic, and it's not just bones, as many people don't know, they think it's all bones, but it's really about the nervous system and the neurology. And so I was really fascinated by that. And I started into a, a neurology program postgraduate for chiropractic doctors as soon as I graduated. And I started with Dr. Carrick actually back then in 1989. Oh, wow. And so I had a love of that. I had an interest in the brain, how the brain runs things. There was no neuroscience discussion back then. Yeah, it was all just uh, neurology. And so that kind of brings us up to today where it's it's part of the, the bigger picture, if you will. In fact, I like to talk with doctors in the U.S. and when we get go abroad about uh, brain based healthcare, a different view, considering mm -hmm. the brain in relation to everything. And so people will say, well, what does that mean? I don't have a brain problem. And I say, no, you don't have to have a brain problem. You might have problems with your heart cardiac issues. You might have problems with your gut, like many people have. You may have problems with your respiratory system or with pain. And so we consider how the brain may be involved with those conditions. And if it's not, it's not. But I can generally say most of the time there's some involvement because the brain runs everything in the physiology, as you well know, well know. Yes. And how did you come across the dolphins? Oh, the dolphins are wonderful. We had patients uh, for many years who love chiropractic. They were getting wellness type of care as many people do coming in for adjustments. And we use uh, uh, some approaches called kinesiology. So we look at what was before there was functional medicine we were thinking about nutrition. So, you know, going back 25 years, how does the nutritional status and supplementation help to balance things in the body? And, um, so they have been in patients a long time and they are owners of dolphin habitats around the world. They are in, in a conglomerate of people. So in Italy and in, in South Florida, in the Caribbean, in many different places in the, in the world. And these habitats care for these dolphins that have been rescued. Um, so they don't go out and capture them. They're rescued dolphins from different situations. And they said to me, is it possible that you could do what you do in functional neurology, 
with the dolphins and have like a collaborative program. And I thought about that and I said, oh, I think that's a wonderful idea. And the reason that that came about is because there are programs with occupational therapists and dolphins in the Caribbean. That's already been going on. Mm -hmm. Children with very severe physical disabilities. And they would have a lot of occupational therapy and physical therapy during the day. And then they would be rewarded with a swim with the dolphins in the evening. And it's very successful. There's many things that come out of that. But what we did is we took that model of working with the dolphins and their behaviors that they already, they already perform and, and do and enjoy. And we evaluate the person's brain, understanding what things need to happen from the different senses, like Dr. Melillo would talk about, the visual senses, the auditory senses, hearing, the vestibular senses in the inner ear, mm -hmm. the body's inputs, taste, smell, you know, all the sensory systems. We evaluate all those systems. And then we put together exercises that we developed in the water with the dolphins to help the brain and exercises on land. So we do a combination, land-based and water-based approach through the course of a week. And you have hours in the water with dolphins, not just a little reward. And mm -hmm. the exercises in the water with the dolphins are targeted to the person's brain areas that we want to, to improve and strengthen. Oh, wow. And um, as we mentioned, the uh, Dr. Malillo and uh, Dr. Malillo's, for example, a blueprint of the brain. So is that yes. a model that you'd be working? Well, we acknowledge that model because that model, I mean, Dr. Bob is a, is a brilliant person, brilliant person, stands out, right? And so we know that that model, the we'll say the hemispheric model, right brain, left body, and so on, is absolutely accurate. And there's been more that's been built on that from neuroscience research because it keeps evolving so fast. So we can use that as a template and then build higher because we do know that in people that you can have, let's, let's put it in terms that you and I know, your right cortex can be working a little lower in its activity than your left. Mm -hmm. And we might say that, oh, it's then your left cerebellum because of the lateralization. But also we have people with a right cortex that's working lower and a right brainstem and a right cerebellum. Oh, so that's a little different than the mm -hmm. model of hemisphericity, but yet it's not inaccurate. It's just more there. It's kind of like, I like to think about it like this. There's the Old Testament in the Bible and the New Testament. Yeah, and they go together. Mm -hmm. They're synchronized, they, they, they're a continuation. So yes, we definitely acknowledge and appreciate the work that he's done and Dr. Carrick, who they trained, you know, doctor, they trained together basically. And uh, Dr. Carrick being the elder, as I would say, the patriarch, but Dr. Bob is the, the son who has really, in a sense, taken and moved things much further ahead. And he's doing brilliant breakthrough things all over the world, in fact, which we so appreciate for our profession, for the children, for the young people, as he spreads the understanding of this hemispheric model, and then some as he moves it forward. Yeah. I also noticed that you use a lot of neurofeedback in your practice. So I'm sorry, use what? Neurofeedback. Neurofeedback. Yes, we do. We do. We brought neurofeedback in because we felt that, that, in fact, I felt that there was something that I needed to have an additional help on. And it had to do with the emotional states, the affect, the yes. mood. So we have people of, of all different types of abilities, disabilities. We have people that are neurotypical and neuroatypical, if you will, neurodiversive. And so we're like, okay, we have people that we can improve vestibular. We have people that we can improve cognition. We have people we can improve memory. We can improve movement. 
But many times their anxiety, depression, OCD, bipolar, even sometimes on small occasions, people that are dealing with a schizophrenic type of, of affect, we were, we were struggling in that area. They would have some improvement, but not substantial. And so a PhD in Miami, uh, I met at a hospital speaking engagement and he was sharing with me how as a psychologist, PhD, he used neurofeedback. I thought, okay, this is brilliant. And so I trained under him in Miami and we brought it into the practice. So what we do, it's a part of our overall view. We, we do a QEEG, like an EKG for the heart, yeah. an EEG for the brain, but different than one done in the hospital for seizures, because although we want to rule in or out, if there's any seizure activity, we want to go further and understand how does this brain wave activity in this individual measure up to a, a, a database of normalcy, right? A range, a range of normalcy. And from there, does it need improvement in an area using some of the therapies that you and I use and neurofeedback married together? So it's a very effective tool as many of the tools that we have, um, but it's one of those ones that really focuses on the electrical activity, very sensitive activity in the brain. Uh-huh. But is that the kind of a treatment that we should do uh, like uh, it's considered to be a top bottom approach, right? Neurofeedback? Yes, it's a top-down approach. Correct. That's right. And it is something that should be employed. Now we have um, children here that we work with young people. Teen, I call the, the young people are my teenagers, and, and, but my children are five and six and four. Those are the, the children. And some of them, it's, we don't employ the neurofeedback. We brain map, but we may not employ the neurofeedback because I have to make a clinical decision. Are they going to be sitting enough? Um, you know, some children have sensory issues, so they don't want something on their head. Yeah. And so you have to be a, a physician. You have to be a clinician. You have to be empathetic and understand what's going to work here. And so, but we do try to employ neurofeedback when allowed because it helps in the overall training. And the, the kids and the young people play a game on the screen. They like that. It engages them. They're playing it with their brain. There's no, there's no, <laughs> no uh, hand uh, features to that. Um, but it's interesting. It's a very interesting uh, endeavor with children. Uh-huh. So you'd say that most of your population would be children, young adults, or combination? I think it fluctuates. Um, during the summers, like we're getting into now here in the States, it's really, we start getting a lot of children. They're off of school. They don't have as many after-school activities. And so the parents are, okay, we want to come in for our four to eight week, uh, you know, intensives, if we will, or our summer program with you after, after camp. So I'll see some in the morning before camp and then there's school camp or play camp. And then we'll see many in the afternoon. So I get very tired at the end of the day. <laughs> it's much tea or coffee here for the end of the day with the children. Uh-huh. So could you des- describe how would an intensive kind of week work? Sure. We, we've really been looking at the ex- an expanded uh, intensive model, which many of my colleagues do. And many times people can only come for a week. But we really look at two weeks for people because we have found that although you can make great breakthroughs in a week, I feel, of course, having a little more time allows it to stick more, allows us to gain a little more grasp on plastic develop neuroplasticity and so and we can develop more exercises to further and go on so our intensive two-week model that we're using right now will be a a monday through friday model 
and uh, a person would be here and the initial would be an evaluation, an examination that includes eye tracking and balance testing and stability and neurocognitive tests that we do on the computer with people and brain mapping and pupillometry that we do and autonomic testing. We do all this battery of tests and understand what are we working with for this person, set our goals, and then we start having multiple sessions a day, which we'll have neural rehabilitation, that's a sensory motor and visual, and then they'll have a neurofeedback session to kind of work that into the system. Then they may get in the hyperbaric chamber. If it's a young child with a parent, if it's a, a child that's of teen years, we'll have them get into the hyperbaric to help that brain receive a lot more oxygen for recovery, and then they come out and we go back at it again. We have a second round of those type therapies and that's five days in a row. So it's intensive uh, and we enjoy that, but we're measuring, we're measuring through the whole week. By the third day, we're measuring again. By the end of the week, we're measuring again, some of the key metrics by the beginning of the next week. And the weekend gives them a chance to oh, settle down a little bit after all that work and enjoy a little bit in South Florida, get out and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And we help the families do that. The next week we go back at it and work at the next level where we are working further in that, then training exercise. How would they do this? Do the parents need to participate? How do the parents help? What is the nutrition? Many times we'll have lab work run prior to even coming to the States or yeah. to South Florida. So I can look at that and understand the met metabolic aspect, because as you know, that's so crucial as well. Yeah. So that'll so be our two week picture. And uh, we really enjoy people coming to be with us. Ah, so when are the dolphins involved in the intensive? So the dolphins are, are on a Tuesday and Thursday. And mm -hmm. so we are doing private experiences now. We've gone from the group model, which we had prior to COVID, pre-COVID. Yeah. So I guess it's PC and now it's AC after COVID. <laughs> ah. But uh, what we're doing is it's individual experiences. So if a family came or and they brought one of their children or both of their children, children, their children would be down in the keys with me on Tuesday and Thursday with the family. Mm -hmm. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in the office, Tuesday and Thursdays down in the keys at our dolphin facility in the water with the dolphins. Then we have lunch. Then we have another session in the afternoon. Then they come back and they rest. So they have Tuesday and Thursday and Tuesday and Thursday, the following week, four sessions with about six to eight hours in the water with the dolphins. So we're, that's where we get the land-based and the water-based. It's a bit of driving. It's not too far, but, mm -hmm. but you get to see some beautiful landscape as you drive down to the Florida Keys. Uh, and um, on Instagram, the oxygen uh, Instagram is different to yours, right? The, the oxygen chamber? Yeah, the, uh, it's called a, a different name, like... Hyperbarics, yeah. Yes. Uh, Hyperbarics in Pinecrest. So the, the little town that we're in, Mm -hmm. A little, uh, it's not, a, they call it a village, but you know, we try to take after the Europeans as, as a village. It's a small city, <laughs> but we call it the village of Pinecrest. It is in Miami. So if I have mail at Miami, I receive it, but it's specifically Pinecrest. And so our hyperbaric center, which is in our office, also has a secondary Instagram account, which is connected to Bagnell Brain Center, which is the hyperbarics in Pinecrest. Uh -huh. So how long would a child be in an oxygen chamber? one hour, we work with one hour sessions. I do uh, an hour to 90 minute sessions myself. And I try to get in there as often as I can lately. It's about once a week and my wife does. Mm -hmm. um, and so about hour to 90 minutes, but usually with a child, we're doing 60 minute sessions. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And what are the benefits of using, using oxygen in therapy? 
Yeah, well, I mean, we can imagine. What does the brain really need? The brain needs glucose, so we have to have some kind of fuel. But what's the secondary thing? Some people would say activation. The brain needs activation. I agree. That's, but it needs oxygen. Mm -hmm. So I can be without activation for a while. I can just kind of, maybe I should do that now, just doze off here for a little bit. <laughs> I can be less active. I cannot eat. I can fast. And actually fasting has great benefits, right? We know for people with concussion and brain injuries and things of this nature. But oxygen is the rate, I'll say the rate limiting factor. Oxygen is the key ingredient for the brain to function. Remove the oxygen and in just a very short period of minutes, the brain's gonna have permanent damage. So additional oxygen, not in an oxygen bar, not just breathing oxygen, but under pressure allows the oxygen to dissolve in the system more at a greater content. So when we put the little thing on our finger to measure the oxygen, the pulse oximeter, probably see those. Yeah. And we're at 99 or 100. You can't get any more oxygen in unless you're in hyperbaric pressure. Now your body can absorb more oxygen temporarily and it can have a more profound healing effect. It decreases inflammation. It mm -hmm. stimulates stem cell production over time. It takes some time to do that, but it does that. We know the data is there. The benefits are incredible. Wow. And is it recommended to have an oxygen unit in your house or it needs to be under supervision of a doctor? It should be. A lot of people do it without supervision. <clears throat> it is such a safe therapy. Although there's some people that will say, oh, it's extremely dangerous. It's really not dangerous. When you are running 100% oxygen, like an oxygen tank, and they're putting that oxygen in, then you have more of a, a risk. And that has to be monitored by a physician. But when someone gets a chamber, they're usually getting into it on their own without any extra oxygen. And the risk, it's not flammable. It's The risk is extremely low. As in anything, there's always a risk. But it's, it's actually more risky many times just getting in and out of the chamber yeah. than, than the, the chamber itself. The benefits far outweigh the risk. And I would say it would be good to consult with somebody, a physician who understands hyperbaric or a clinician or someone certified, because then you're going to get the best direction on how you should apply it. Yeah. Wow. And um, Dr. Michael, how can people contact you about the dolphin uh, retreat? Yes. There's so many ways. So let's see, our website, right? Bagnell Brain Center, which is where I'm sitting now in my office uh, out there, bagnellbraincenter.com. So that's one way. And there's a page that talks about the dolphins. On Facebook, there's a page about the dolphins. So um, Bagnell Brain Center on Facebook, Dr. Michael, all everything you see on Facebook or on Instagram yeah. will be related to our work here. It won't be related to what I'm eating for breakfast. Don't worry. <laughs> We're always wanting to share information that's of value. And what I had for breakfast is not that valuable or me doing yoga, but I appreciate people doing that. But ours is about the work to help people restore their brain, get back to their life and have hope. Thank you so much for the time you spent talking and explaining. And I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. So sorry it took me so long, but I appreciate you and, and the time here and, and uh, I enjoy it. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> okay, my dear. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.